0: Israel has come to thee, O Israel. O oh, come now, discreet, come and cheer us in. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night And dance dark shadows for to fly Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel Shall come to thee He's coming towards us now, he's coming towards us now, he's coming towards us now, and he always will. Yeah.
1: Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and to worship you. God, you are, you are worthy of our praise. Father, I um, just ask that you'll keep us ever mindful during this wonderful time of year, God, of all that you've done for us and given to us. God, I just pray that you'll bless this offering and you'll use it to the furtherance of your kingdom, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. season of Christmas, too. This first Sunday of Advent, you'll notice the one candle on the Advent wreath has been lighted, and that just reminds us that Jesus, who is the light of the world, is coming. And throughout the next three Sundays, the four Sundays of Advent, we'll light an additional candle, and then I hope you'll be here on Christmas Eve, which will be Saturday night this year, because Christmas is on Sunday morning. And uh, we'll have that, that light, all, all of the wreath lighted, and uh, we'll celebrate the coming into the world of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Incidentally, in, along uh, Advent, we have these Advent devotional booklets written by church members, illustrated by children in our church, and they're available for you to be, to be picked up at the uh, exits when you leave here this morning, because this is the first Sunday of Advent, and the devotions start today. So be sure and pick one of those up. Also, lest I forget, while I'm making announcements at the conclusion of our service, you'll have the opportunity to affirm the seven uh, men who you have nominated for deacon. And in addition to those affirmations for deacon, there'll also be a decision to elect Dr. Curtis Branch Jr. a lifetime deacon. And you'll have that opportunity to affirm that decision of the deacons as well. Well, as you know, we're preaching through the Bible, and we are in the book of Isaiah. And it's so easy to, it's so easy to, uh... my microphone's missing, isn't it? I thought I was wired. It's so easy to uh, find passages about Jesus. I'm just going to put it on the outside all throughout the Bible. And uh, the book of Isaiah is no exception. Have y'all got me now? Can you hear me now? Isaiah 9 chapters 2 through 7. The sermon is entitled, The Light That Shines. Almost every Old Testament book has some prophecy about Jesus. And Isaiah 9 chapter 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt In the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. And then some verses, this is Isaiah's prophecy. Thou hast multiplied the nation, thou hast increased its joy. They rejoice before thee as with joy at the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, thou hast broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now listen to these verses and see if they sound familiar. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Where have you heard that before? Wonderful counselor. Isn't it from Messiah? And uh, incidentally, our choir and the ABAC Chamber Singers and the Methodist Church will be presenting Messiah um, in December. What Sunday is it? Next Sunday. Next Sunday at 3 and at 7, two times. And I heard them, it's about... Good night. 110 voices singing, and, and you do not want to miss that, that presentation, that worship service next Sunday. But I want to talk about light today. The people who walked in darkness, verse 2, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. And there is an outline in your worship bulletin to follow along. Years ago, there was a house near where I lived that had Christmas lights on in December. And that wasn't that unusual, except they kept these lights on in January and in February and in March. And I'm sitting there, you know, driving by, looking at these Christmas lights, and I'm thinking, you know, if I'm lazy enough not to take down Christmas lights, I'm sure not going to plug them in at night. But then about towards the end of March, I understood why they left them on, because... Towards the end of March, they put this big banner out front of their house. that said, Welcome Home, Johnny. And apparently they had a son who had been in Operation Desert Storm. And they left those lights on in their home. And they put a banner out to welcome him home because lights represent hope. They represent remembrance. Lights are something that you want to come home to. Matter of fact, when when Catherine's off and she comes in at night, when you have a child, don't you leave a light on in the house? I mean, you don't turn the house out completely dark when you're expecting someone to come in, do you? Light represents hope and anticipation of someone coming home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus who came into our world and brought light into darkness, and even when darkness tried to overcome it and extinguish it on the cross, three days later, in a blaze of glory, Jesus came forth in dazzling light. And that light still shines today. Help us to be reflections of that light In our lives, in our world, and let people see the light and give glory to God who is in heaven, its true source. For in your name we pray. Amen. What's the, what's the, I was trying to think of the conclusion. Is it the Motel 6 ad that concludes by saying, oh hey, we'll leave the light on for you? Something like that. So if you leave a light on for somebody, you're anticipating their arrival. Well, if there's one truth that comes to us from Scripture, it is that Jesus is the light of the world. He came to be the light of the world. And our, our world needed light. I remember talking to somebody who was stationed at a base in Alaska. In Alaska, I think they basically have six months of sunlight and six months of darkness. And there is a syndrome for those six months of darkness that's, that's like a... a a lightless depression syndrome. People actually get sick and depressed if they don't have some kind of light over a period of time. John twelve forty six. Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus came into our world to be light because our world was dark before he arrived. And he came so that our world need not remain in darkness. And if you choose the light, the light can shine in you and be a part of you. 700 years earlier than John, Isaiah described the coming of the promised Messiah. And in our preaching through the Bible in the book of Isaiah, this chapter 9 verse 2 says it so eloquently. The people who walked walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. How about that? 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah was prophesying about the coming of a great light on a people who dwell in darkness. On them has the light shined. I want to talk about four qualities of light this morning that, uh, that come to mind when I think about Jesus. And the light that he affords. The first one is that light attracts attention. Light attracts attention. If someone snaps your picture and a flashbulb goes off, what do you do? It startles you, doesn't it? You look to see where it comes from. That light flashes in your eyes and it attracts attention. I noticed on the expressway this week that I could see the blue light of a police car a hundred miles away, okay, maybe two miles away, but that blue light, you know, it's, it just stands out, doesn't it? And you see it flashing on the side of the road, you think, "Uh-oh, I'm gonna slow down now before I get there." Not that I was speeding, but just to be cautious around uh, someone that been pulled over. If there is a, if there is a searchlight in the sky, like a, some some store has a a sales going on. They put a searchlight in the sky. Do you ever drive to where that searchlight is emanating from? Just to see what all the excitement, I've done that before, just to see what all that excitement is and see that big searchlight, you know, panning across the horizon. Well, when Jesus was born, believe it or not, he attracted more attention than you might assume, than you might think. He was born to poor peasant parents in a backwoods town called Bethlehem, and a stable among creatures. And you would think that no one would notice, but God would not have his son, who was to be the light of the world, go completely without someone taking notice. And so he had angels singing in the countryside, and shepherds hearing the song, and there were wise men following a star from the east, and they were coming to the place where Jesus lay. And the shepherds saw him, and the wise men came, and And despite the fact that that it was a, a fairly uneventful evening otherwise in Bethlehem, still there was a crowd gathering at the birth of Jesus because He was the light that came into the world and He attracted attention. Now, people may be turned off by organized religion. They may be turned off by hypocritical Christians. But there's still something about Jesus that captivates one's attention. And if we hold Jesus up, he says he will draw all men unto himself like, like moths to a light. Jesus will draw people to himself because he is the light of the world. It doesn't say he points to the light or, or you know, he reflects the light. Jesus himself is the light. And when you hold him up, he will draw all men unto himself. So our job is to get out of the way and decrease so that Jesus might increase and that light of the world might come and be the focus and our spotlights might be on him. Have you ever noticed that on stage? If if there's a spotlight and it's shining on one person, it focuses attention on that one person. And so the person controlling the spotlight uh, has a lot of influence on directing the attention of the audience. Well, God shone a spotlight on Jesus and our job is to reflect that spotlight and to shine that same spotlight on him so that people will focus on him and see him and not any of us because light attracts attention. The second thing I want you to see is is that light guides people to their destination. There are all kinds of lights that are used as guides. We were driving by an airport. Uh, this past week, and you notice the landing lights—the white lights, and the red lights, and the blue lights—and and I don't know what they all mean, but I hope pilots do, and and you know they 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 can use those lights in a foggy night to make a safe landing. There there are searchlights on on shorelines, lighthouses that help guide ships away from danger. they are all there are highway reflectors. You know, we, we were driving on strange roads this past week, places we'd never been before to visit family members who had recently moved and, into a new area, a new house, and it was dark, and, and I was so thankful to have those reflectors on the road because they helped get me in the right lane to know where I was supposed to be and, and where I was supposed to turn. Well, Jesus is a light that can guide us. Jesus can provide guidance. And so many times, you know, I remember people saying, Especially when we were studying Henry Blackaby, um, the will of God. God, what, what is your will? Tell me what your will is and I'll do it. And the basic message of Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God, was that just, just be in a relationship with Jesus. That's the most important thing. You don't have to seek out God's will because this will primarily is to be in a relationship with Jesus and out of that relationship, guidance and direction for your life will be provided. So don't worry about what God's will is. His will is for you to be in a relationship with Jesus and let that provide you the direction and the guidance and the purpose that you need in life. There was a star that appeared over Bethlehem and it guided astrologers from the east to come and worship Jesus. And when you have a major decision to make, God will guide you Don't say, God, what do you want me to do here? Just say, God, fill me with your spirit. Spend time in your quiet time with Jesus. Spend time reading and praying. And over that that period, God's will is revealed to you. You don't have to seek his will. It's like going to a stranger and asking them what they want you to do. How do you know what, what that stranger wants you to do? What you do is you build a relationship with that person. And over time, then you'll understand who they are and what their needs are, what their desires are. It's the same thing with Jesus. If he's a stranger to you, you'll never know what your purpose is in life or what God's will for your life is. But as that relationship develops and as it it grows and deepens, then you will know what you're supposed to do. And that's what Jesus does for us, providing us guidance John 8, 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So that's it. Follow Jesus and you'll have the light of life. Because light guides us to our destination. It attracts attention. It also dispels darkness. And that's one reason why I love our Christmas Eve candlelight service so much. I am amazed how in this, in this cavernous sanctuary, when all the lights are turned off, how one candle on this wreath can light this entire area i don 't know if you 've ever been in a cave, but I remember as a young person going into Mammoth Cave, and, and the, the guide turned the light out, and it was pitched. you could not see your hand in front of your face. It was that dark. And they lit a match, and that one match lighted up that entire. That entire cavern, it was amazing at what it accomplished. And that's what Jesus can do. Light always dispels darkness, always. Jesus came into a world that was spiritually dark. You want to know how dark the world was? King Herod received word that a new king had been born. So you know what Herod did? He had all the male children, two years of age and younger, slaughtered in Bethlehem and the surrounding region there's a passage that says there was wailing in Ramah. And I looked up Ramah. Ramah was 15 miles from Bethlehem. So there was a 30-mile radius, at least, where Herod killed all the male children two years of age and younger. It's called in history the slaughter of the innocents. That's how dark and evil the world was. It'd be like living in, in Libya or Iraq or Or someplace like that today. Just dark. And it's such a darkness that you could feel it. It's it's almost tangible. But Jesus came into that world. And his light shined. And they tried to extinguish it. But Herod died. And Jesus lived. That light could not be put out. And that brings me to my last point. Light conquers... Death, because they crucified Jesus. And it says that darkness covered the face of the earth from the sixth hour until the ninth, which is from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Darkness covered the face of the earth because that's what it would have been like without Jesus. His body was taken down. It was sealed in a dark tomb. But on the first day of the week, light the light of God's power entered that tomb and it burst forth because his light was more powerful than the darkness of death. And that that light has continued to shine the past 2,000 years. And every time somebody invites Jesus into their hearts, that light continues to grow and expand and have an impact on all around us. It, it reminds me of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, you do not light a lamp and and put it under a bushel but you put it on a lampstand so that it can give light to all around it so if you have jesus light within you this little light of mine i'm going to let it shine let it shine all over the world around you james dobson tells a story about a woman named stella thornhope who was struggling with christmas after the death of her husband to cancer she didn't have the spirit of Christmas and wasn't really excited about it and didn't really put up any Christmas decorations or, or lights or anything. But one afternoon in October, her doorbell rang. And she went to the door and answered it. And it was a delivery boy, and he had a package and a note. And inside this box, something was wiggling, something was alive. And, and she, she opened the box, and it was a, like a, a golden retriever. A dog, a little puppy. And, and the woman said, what, what is this? And the man said, here's a note that goes with it. And the note was from her husband. And he had written it three weeks before he died. And he said, back in July, I purchased this puppy for you so you would have a friend at Christmas. And uh, she looked at that puppy and, you know, he was wagging his tail and, and so happy. And, you know, it kind of changed her whole mood. And she said, you know what, I bet there's something down in the basement that you'd like. She said, there's a little Christmas tree down there with some lights on it and some, some decorations and a manger scene. She said, why don't we go down there and get it and bring it back upstairs and put it up. You know, God has a way of sending a signal to us to remind us that life is stronger than death and that light is more powerful than Than darkness, and that good will outlast evil, and that Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, is here and is here to stay. I'm fascinated by the the painter Thomas Kincaid. Are you familiar with him? He's called the painter of light. And uh, it's amazing, he will, he will, what he will paint is like some kind of landscape or some kind of background, and it can be dark and desolate and, and uh, like a thundering storm coming up in the distance somewhere. But he will take his paintbrush and dip it into a little bit of gold paint, and somewhere in his painting he will dab a little bit of sunlight or a little bit of light into the window of a cabin somewhere or or somewhere you know someone holding a lantern everywhere in his paintings there will be a dab of light and that light reminds us that Jesus Christ has come into the world and his light is here to shine we have one right outside our library and i was looking at it this morning and it's a picture of a church and in that church of course there are there are lights shining But also in in Kincaid's picture somewhere, there'll be a symbol of Jesus somewhere. It's usually hidden, but you can find it and it reminds you of who the source of that light he depicts truly is. John said in chapter 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You do not have to stay in darkness, friends. If you feel like you're living in darkness today, if there is no hope, if there is is no outlet, if there is no way of escape, God sent Jesus into our world to be your light, to draw attention to Himself, to guide you, to dispel darkness, and to remind you that His life will conquer death in this world and in the next. When we invite Jesus into our hearts, He comes in and He turns the light switch on. And that's when life begins. And it continues to shine in us. Sometimes we'll try to hide it when we're ashamed of Him or embarrassed and and don't want to live the way He wants us to. But other times we will bring Him honor and glory and that that light will shine like a beacon to everyone around us, drawing people to Him who is the source of light. So I exhort you this Christmas to be a beacon of light for Jesus. And if you don't have that light shining in you, invite him into your heart today. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. That's the good news of Christmas. The light has shined on us. And it has dwelt among us. And it lives inside of us. Right now. Shall we bow? <clears throat> Father, as we come to this moment of decision, we thank you for sending Jesus, who is the light of the world, into our world and offering him to each one of us personally. Most of us here, Lord, have invited him into our hearts and our reflections of that light and, and it is emanating from us. Some brighter than others, some more obediently than others. But when Jesus comes in, he brings his light and gives us hope. So Father, I pray that this Christmas season we will unmask everything of Jesus that gives light and let it shine forth like a searchlight drawing all people to the cross and to you. If there's anyone here that does not have that light shining in them, Lord, that today will be that moment of decision when they invite Jesus in and find the hope that he affords. For it's in your name we pray, amen. We're going to sing a hymn of decision and commitment, offering you the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. The first Noel, I'll be at the front to receive you. If you have invited Jesus in, but you need to share it publicly, you come now. If you need to come forward and have some counseling about